Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. Yeah, if you can uh, if you can make your way back to your seat, that's great. If not, I get it, man. It's something something nice about connecting with the people around you and seeing some maybe friends you haven't seen in a while. So I think that's what church is all about. Hey, I want to uh, also invite you. I mean, we got this fantastic breezeway uh, at after church. If you want to hang out, talk with one another, man. I think that's uh, that's an important part of church. So uh, don't feel like you got to jet out and get out and go home and beat the Baptists to lunch. There's lots of good lunch places, uh, but. Um, but yeah, so hey, I do want to quick, take a quick second and uh, welcome Church Online. We've got uh, like every week we get something like 50 or so people uh, that watch and do church, uh, at, whether they're at home or whether they're out on the beach. Um, with today's weather, I can't even get mad at these people because it's fantastic. I work out. I woke up yesterday. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do so many things. Right? It was beautiful. I want to golf. I want to go fishing. I want to go to the beach. I want to be outside. Anything and everything. It was wonderful. And so. If you're skipping church today and doing church online, thanks for uh, tuning in. Also, I want to let uh, specifically the people online know uh, we think it's important for you to do life in community with other believers. And so uh, I want to let you know about a small group that's meeting regularly uh, online. Um, I believe, Doug Davis, what day do you meet? Wednesday at what time? Wednesday at 6 p.m., we have an online group that meets just specifically on Zoom. They've got people that are connecting from Canada. They've got people that are connecting from up north. They've got people that are connecting from two or three blocks away, but they all jump on Zoom, uh, and they're doing a Bible study together. And so if you're looking to get uh, plugged in or connected in a community, it's a great place even if you're far from New Smyrna Beach. And so uh, fill out a connection, online connection card either through the Church Center app uh, or drop us an email at hello at coastlinensb.com. And we'll get you plugged in. And then uh, last thing I want to do before we jump into the message, I want to celebrate something. Uh, One of the things that I get to do uh, that I love as a pastor is, uh, you know, there's a handful handful of responsibilities I have outside of preaching. I love to preach, uh, but I also have to do things like funerals, which I don't love to do, Um, weddings, which I do love to do. Uh, And one of the things that's my favorite thing to do is uh, I get to celebrate with people uh, and help them uh, through baptism. People that are making this public declaration of a step they're taking uh, following Christ. And so uh, I want to celebrate with you guys. A member of our church that started, they uh, came to, I think, a sunrise service probably two or three months ago and have been attending ever since. Uh, his name is Dylan. I think we got a picture, maybe. I'm sorry, uh, Dave, in the back, I've gone out of order. But uh, this is Dylan. Dylan's a good buddy of mine. Uh, and uh, last night, him and his wife and his family all came down to the beach, and Eric and I went down there, and we were able to celebrate him as he took this uh, public step towards, uh, in, or in a relationship with Jesus. And so uh, we've been talking through, we've been meeting over coffee and talking through the Bible and doing some Bible studies and stuff like that, and uh, he said, man, I want, to take, I want to take the next step. And so me, him, and his family came out, and uh, he dedicated his life to Christ, and I'm excited for the adventure that's going to come uh, in his life here, here in the very few short months and years to come. So big deal, yeah. 
If you have any desire to take this step, um, or if this is something that maybe you didn't, uh, maybe you were baptized as a, as a child, but you didn't make the, the decision yourself, I want to challenge you. Uh, I think it's important as, as an adult, as someone that understands what it means to publicly, publicly declare, hey, I'm stepping into and I'm pursuing a relationship with Jesus. If you haven't done that yet, man, I'd love to be able to help, help out with that. I'll be in the breezeway after church. Uh, again, you can also fill out a connect card if you want to, and, uh, and we'll get connected that way. Uh, today, though, as we finish up this series, uh, I left the best for last. Um, you know, when we started Coastline Church, we said that we wanted to build the church, the foundation of the church, on three pillars, three things that we believe should be a part of every service, every Bible study, anytime we meet. These are the foundational items of Coastline, um, but, but also I believe that the foundational items of the church and what Jesus says the church should be and the disciples taught about what the church should be fit into this. And the three pillars are connect. We think it's important that everyone should connect with God uh, whenever we're doing church. We also think it's important for you to connect with each other. Um, that should happen during any time we're getting together, whether it's a Bible study or a church service. Uh, we should connect. We should grow. Uh, you know, we have lots of young families in our church, and I love watching these little kids grow. We send them to the doctor, and they tell us how much they've been growing. If there was ever a time where these kids stopped growing, though, we would start looking into it because we would say there's a problem. There's something, there's something that's stopping it. Because we know that when, healthy, when things are healthy, they grow. And so the same thing should happen for us uh, spiritually. We believe that we should be growing spiritually. We believe that the church should be helping each other grow spiritually. And the last thing, the last pillar is go. It's this, this call to action. This call to put our faith into action, to take a step, to not just come to church and get knowledge, to not just come to church and, and, and have some understanding and get together and talk about what it would look like if we were the church, but to actually stop and, and make it a point to take action in our faith and grow and put our, action into, or put our faith in action and go. And so today I want to talk about something that is going to bring so much tension into the room. This is one of the probably the most tense things to talk about in church uh, there's two, three main things that, that we don't talk about here uh, at, at Coastline. One of them is politics. We're never going to talk about politics, just so you know. Unless sin is involved or something in the Bible, uh, you can come from whatever side of politics that you like. You're welcome here. And I don't think, I mean, I don't, Jesus doesn't ever say he was Democrat or Republican, so why are we going to talk about it either, right? Uh, the two other things that create lots of tension are, uh, one of them is sex, right? And the second one might even be more tense than talking about sex, is finances, specifically money. Now, here's the thing. Before you shut me down, and before, uh, I want the second thing, I also want to apologize a little bit. If today is your first day here, or if you're a Coastline member and you invited someone to church, I get the tension that you're feeling with us right now. You're like, I just brought my family to church for the first time, and you're going to talk about money. This is not the weekend. I should have brought them last week when we talked about prayer. That would have been better. Uh, but just stick with me. Because here's the thing, when it comes to this topic, I understand the tension that is in it. It does not escape me at all. There's tension for a couple of things. One of them is we value money. Money is one of the things that, that we cherish. Uh, I don't know how many times you've probably, in, even in your life, had problems or struggles in life and thought, man, if I just had a little bit more money, 
I wouldn't have this problem. Anybody ever thought that? Be honest. I probably need to hold two hands up. That's been the case, right? Or how, how many times has it been uh, you, you feel joy, right? You're like, uh, you get that first paycheck, and you're like, oh, it feels good to have a little money now, right? Doesn't it? Uh, it's one of those things that, you know, we, we get to a point where money can create so much different types of emotions in our lives. It can, it can create this thing of excitement. It can create joy. It can, it can also create stress and worry and anxiety and struggle. And it's, it's one of these things where I think in that part of our life, if there's one thing that will create this much of a change one way or the other for us, if there's one thing that will have this much of an effect on us, isn't this also something that God wants to have a say in? Isn't this something that also God wants to help us in? You know, I'm uh, at a point where I've got two small kids. They're not grown up yet, but I'm sure, um, I'm sure there's, there's going to come a time where they move out of my house and move into their own house. And I'm, I'm already preparing myself. I understand that there's gonna, they're going to come time. They're going to come to me and say, Dad, I need help with this. Dad, I'm short on this. And as a good father I am, I want to be able to help them through it. I want them to experience not the struggles that I had to experience. I want them to do better than what I did. And I think the same thing happens when it comes to us, when it comes to our finances uh, and our relationship with God. But so many times we get to the point where we say, well, because, because I'm passionate about it, because it's something I cherish, this is an area that, that needs to stay outside of my relationship with God. God, you can have a say in everything else, but this area right here, I think as it, when it comes to being part of the church, when it comes to being following Christ, though, to understand that we are called to share in everything with him, to allow him to speak in our life with all things, not because he wants something from us, but because he wants to help us through what we're going through. And so today, that's, that's kind of the heart of what we're going to be communicating from. Uh, there's so much tension in it because we care about it so much. There's also tension about it, too, because of this. Um, we have seen time and time again where organizations or churches or whatever have mismanaged funds in the past, where people have stolen um, things that were intended to use for godly purpose. And, uh, and it makes us weary and, and makes, us, makes us question whether we should be giving up of what we get. And I think that's, that's an okay thing to feel. But primarily when it comes to this idea of giving, I think it's, it's good for you to judge that. But that shouldn't be the reason that keeps you from stepping into what God's calling you to do and living in the blessing as you trust him in your finances. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church where we've put up many safeguards and we've got blind accountability on different areas that there's no way uh, that someone could come in and do that. Uh, there's no way someone could come in and mismanage funds or steal from the church or anything like that. Uh, if they are, they're a lot smarter than me and the four other guys that that, uh, are, that help lead the church. But it's one of these things that I think sometimes we allow this to be an obstacle that keeps us from living in God's best. And so today I wanted to Take a minute and just communicate maybe three things, three things. And today, if I, if I had a title for my message, <clears throat> it would be this. It would be what I had wrong about giving, what I had wrong about giving. These were things, these were things that I had misconceptions are or that I thought about giving that, that was just not based out of what's in the Bible at all. Uh, these are things that maybe you've thought about. Uh, and so I want to go through these and look into the Word and see what Jesus got to say uh, about when it comes to our finances and when it comes to giving. And so the first one is this. It's not about the amount. 
When it comes to giving, it's, it's not amount, about the amount that you give. No, I get it. It's, it's one of those things that, man, I, I remember being in college. I remember before I met Erica, uh, struggling financially. And, and it's not one of those things that didn't stop in college either. But it was one of those things that struggling financially, it's hard to think about how do I take a step and be faithful with what God's given me when I can't afford all the things that are coming out right now. You think about, like, you got, you got rent, you got uh, insurance, you got all these other things that are a struggle to deal with already. How do we take care of these things and do this? And, and the specific thing that you need to know is it's not about the amount that you give. In the Old Testament, uh, generosity or giving specifically talked about in the form of something called a tithe. This is 10%. In those days, people understood that what everything that they got, whether it was from their harvest, whether it was their health, whether it was protection that they had or, or, or the peace that was going on, they attributed everything coming in as providence from God Almighty. I still believe that the same thing is true today. Because of that, they uh, obediently took 10% of everything that came in and they gave it back to God. They gave it to the temple, allowed the temple to continue to do what God wanted the temple to do, but they did this in, as a sign of faith, of saying, hey, we know where this is coming from. We know who's helping us out. We're, we're, we know, God, what you're doing, and so we're going to continue to have faith and trust in you. We're going to give back 10%. But here's the thing. When we get into the New Testament, this is when Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus doesn't use the word tithe at all. He talks about giving. He talks about generosity. He talks about something that's, that's greater than this concept of, of just a tithe. And the reason why he talks about it in this way is because in those days, the Pharisees and the defenders of the faith had turned this into this, this tithe into something that was so systematic, that was such a, such, such a rule to follow that they missed the point entirely. That no longer was about, about faith, but it was about structure and discipline. And Jesus says, that's, that's not what it's about. It's about the heart in which you give it. It's not about the amount. And he uses this, this story to communicate this uh, very beautifully. It's in Luke chapter 21, verse 1 through 4. It says this. It says, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched rich people dropping their gifts off in the collection box. And it said, then a poor woman, a poor widow, came by and dropped in two small coins. Now, now I picture this. Jesus stops what he's doing. He gathers his disciples together. After observing what's happened, as he's observed the rich people coming in and, and slinging down coins so that everyone in the room knows how much they gave. As they're making this grand show of, of, being, being, of, of, of giving their tithe. It's just so that everyone else in the room can see. He pulls his disciples together as this one woman brings in these two small coins and drops them in the box. And he tells them, as he says, I tell you the truth. This poor woman has given more than all all of the rest of them for they have given for they have given a part a tiny part of their surplus but she poor as she is has given given everything she has it's not jesus communicates very clearly to them to, it's not about the amount that you give it's about the heart in which you give it it's about the connection that you're making in the midst of it this is not something that comes easy. This is something that, that there should be tension in it. But in that tension, in, in the midst of, of everything that we think we know, we put first and foremost Jesus. 
we, we say, God, we trust you in everything that, we, everything that we have. So the first thing that I had wrong about giving was it's not about the amount. For you to know, it definitely is about the heart. It is about your position and how you give it. The second thing, uh, the second thing that, uh, that I didn't know about giving was this. It's not last, it's first. When it, comes to your, when it comes to your giving to God, when it comes to your being obedient through tithing or your, your being generous through your giving, it's not something that should happen at the end. It should happen first. I, uh, in the past couple months, Eric and I have been, uh, we've been on a little bit of a health journey. We're trying to make some, uh, what do we call them? Healthy choices. We're definitely not on a diet. We're making healthy choices. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, healthy choices suck. They are no fun. I don't like healthy choices. I like the way my shirts fit better after making healthy choices, but that's about it. One of the things that I'm, I've got tension in my own life about right now is we're coming up on the end of October is Halloween. I love Halloween. Reese's makes a specific shape of Reese's cups during Halloween in the shape of a pumpkin, which is about the most beautiful thing I think I've ever seen in my entire life. And I could crush about 20 of them. Wouldn't be even a problem. I should have taken a picture last night. Uh, uh, Olivia's got a, a dear friend that uh, she's allergic to peanuts. And uh, her mom was so kind that she sent Olivia home with all the Reese cups. And so, like, I literally counted on my kitchen table last night. There's, like, 30 Reese cups. And I said, get thee behind me, Satan. Trying to make healthy choices. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. I like Reese cups, but what I like more than Reese cups, pumpkin pie. Anyone here like pumpkin pie? With like half a can of whipped cream on across it? It's, fan, it's oh my gosh, it's great. Uh, Publix makes a, one of the best pumpkin pies I think I've ever had. I'd eat pumpkin pie in July. I don't need Thanksgiving. I would eat all of it. A whole, I could eat a whole pumpkin pie to myself. I'm not though, because I'm making healthy choices. But I thought about I thought about a delicious pumpkin pie. And if you were to illustrate a pumpkin pie as your income or what comes in to your life in, in a week or a month or whatever it is, you and I would both know that, like, okay, there's a, there's a part of the pie that we got to cut out and we send to pay our mortgage, our rent, or whatever it is, right? It's probably a good portion of pie, maybe 20%, 25%. I'm not, I'm not sure. It might be more than that. And then there's a portion of pie that you would have to cut out and you'd, You'd pay, maybe, maybe you got a car payment. Or if you don't have a car payment, you definitely have car insurance, right? We all got to pay for that. If you don't have car insurance, please go get car insurance. That's, you got to have that. Um, we got health insurance. We'd, we'd have to cut out a, pie, a piece of pie for health insurance. After all this, after taxes, after, after cutting out a, a piece of pie for gas, and after, after paying for your, man, I feel like you got to buy your kids shoes every two weeks because they don't fit after two weeks. I don't know what's up with that. But, but you, got, you got all these pieces of pie that are coming out. By the end of it, you have this little piece. And it's, it's barely big enough for you. And I had, I, I had this thought of, like, as you try to eat it, we remember, man, I'm supposed to give... I'm supposed to give God 10% of this pie. 
how, how, how in the world do I do this? There's not, there's not, barely 10% left. And, and, and what we do, what I've done, even in myself, is we, we take that piece and we, put, we pull it over to the side and we act like, God, you can't see this. God, you don't, you don't see what's happening. This, this ain't it. This is, this is, when it comes to this pie, I'm going to manage this. You take care of the rest. And I had this, what? But the truth is, is God's the one that brought the pie in the first place. God's the one that provided. He, he went to Publix and he, he brought it to your house for you to have. And, and we're, we're cutting them out now. When, when what is intended, though, is, is not that. Let me tell you, if, if that's what you think about when it comes to giving is, is like, I don't have anything left to give. I'm, I'm going to tell you, God doesn't want that stress for his people. He doesn't want that for his children. What he wants is for us to understand that he wants to help us through our finances and through what we're going through. He wants us to shift our perspective and understanding. He says, I, I want to be first. I, I want to be the first. When it comes to the cut of pie, I want our relationship to be so strong and you to trust me so much that the next pie is coming, that I'm going to provide you with what you need next. I'm going to provide you with the even leftovers beyond that if you'll just trust me. He wants it to be first, not, not to be last. He wants that, to have that type of close-knit relationship with us. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. You've, you've heard me talk about this in the past. A Pharisee comes to Jesus. He says, what's the most important thing we should know? He says, you must love the Lord your God. Matthew 22, verse 37. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, with everything that's in you. God doesn't want you to take an area of your life and put it apart. He doesn't want you to set it apart. He says, I want to help you go through all that you're going through. I want you to trust me and the things that are the hardest thing for you to trust me with and see if I don't show up. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21 says this. It says, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths eat them and destroy them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. This last part, I think, sums up the entirety and the reason why giving is a part, should be a part of our relationship when it comes to Jesus. It says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you want to know about the things that you love, if you don't know, go ask your CPA. Or take a look at your bank account. Take a look at your schedule, and then take a look at your bank account. The things that we love, we spend time with. I love my wife. I spend time with my wife. I love fishing. I spend time with fishing. I love my wife more, just for the record. Make sure we know. My wife, well, my kids mostly, love Chick-fil-A. I know this because if I look at my bank statement, Chick, Christian Chicken down the road gets a lot of my money. The things that we love, that we have our heart connected to, that's where our treasure is going to be. And God says, in this area, he said, I don't want you to have any other gods outside of me. I want you to trust me. And when you do this, know that I'm going to show up. The last thing about this uh, that, that I did not understand about giving that I wish I knew. It's not from you. 
it's for you. This is an area when it comes to the kingdom that does not make a whole lot of sense. Because our culture says if you want to be successful, you've got to accumulate. You get, you get, you get, you get, you save, you save, you save. You work hard, you put away. You want to hold on to all these things. That's what culture says. That's what our initial humanity says. This is how we achieve success. This is what we should do. But in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, the latter end of that verse says this. It says, you should remember the words that Jesus said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now I want you to hold on to that, to that phrase for a second. It's, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. See, when it comes to blessing, blessing is something that comes to you. The opposite of blessing, would have, what, what I think would be, is cursed, right? Now, when it comes to, to my area, when my, it comes to my finances specifically, from experience, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I'm not sure what cursed finances is exactly, but I've been pretty close to feeling like my finances were cursed, right? It looks like a big red number on your Bank of America uh, app, right? You, you guys are much smarter in your, with your money than I am. But I've been there at a point where I, rem- I was like, I'm going to be real transparent with you. I remember when Erica and I first got married, How we were maybe six months married, if that, if that. Nothing will humble you more in life than searching through your car, searching through the dryer lint basket thing, trying to find quarters to be able to go buy your wife contact solution. Like, I'm, I'm going to tell you, like, I understand what it feels like to struggle. Like, I was, like, I wasn't just poor. I was po. Like, I, like, I couldn't even afford the R. It was that po. It was bad. I know what that feels like. I don't want to live in a, a life where my, like, I've cursed finances. I want to live blessed, right? Blessed is, is a good way to live. That's what I want to experience. And so when it comes down to, to when, in this area of my life, my finances, I have understood when I do it myself, when I'm responsible for myself, when I'm just relying on me, it it never works out right. It's a whole lot harder in life. I'd much rather live a blessed life when it comes to my finances. Now, this is not a thing where I'm saying God is some type of cosmic uh, uh, vending machine or whatever where you put $10 in, you get $100 back. That's not how it works. But I will tell you this. When it comes to your finances, when you trust God and you have faith in him, bless, you will feel a difference. You will understand the difference between a blessed life and, this area, and putting this area of your life outside of God. Eric and I have got a good friend that uh, I've talked about in the past. I'm not going to call her out by name, um, but uh, she is a, uh, one of the hardest working ladies in my life that I know. This lady will work you under the rug. I'm going to tell you what. Um, but she's a, she's a single mom, loves Jesus. A couple years ago, went and we talked about giving, and, and I didn't tell her until the end of the year, but at the end of the year, we ran a report, and this uh, single mom who, who didn't have, like, a, she wasn't super successful or anything like that, was in the top 10% of givers at Coastline. I don't know what she gave because that's not back to those blind things. I'm not, not in on that. Um, but I know she was top 10% which was a huge deal. She told us afterwards, after I told her, I was like, hey, I just want to let you know this was such a big deal. Like, you allowed 
coastline to continue to exist. This is, is huge. She said, Brian, I got to tell you, that year I made more money than I had ever made in my entire life. Same job, no, nothing, nothing had changed except for she understood the difference in kingdom finance. She understood that she was going to trust God in this area. She started giving. She gave regularly. She said she lived in a life that was blessed. I'm telling you, I'm not from just reading the Bible, but from in my own life. I'm surrendering this area to your life, to Jesus. It's not about what God can get from you. It's about what God can do for you. So many times in the Bible we see that God wanted to supply something to somebody, and he, he sent ravens or he had water come out of a rock. He can do, he can do the miraculous. He doesn't, he doesn't need your 10%. He needs you to understand that if you trust him, he's going to help you with what you're going through. And that's what it's about. It's not about what you're given. It's about what he's going to do in you as you trust and have faith in him. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says this. It says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make more room, or, or, or together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. This is Luke chapter 6. This is Jesus speaking. This is one of those things for you that, that we need to understand that, like think about it at that pie again, right? The pumpkin pie. I want a pumpkin pie that is overflowing, that's pressed down. You know, I don't want the air pumpkin pie. You know what I'm talking about? The one that's like, it's like, tastes like styrofoam or whatever. I want the thick one. I'm ready for that in my life when it comes to my finances. I understand that the first step is trusting God with it, though. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. This is the Old Testament. This is the last book of the Bible until we get to the New Testament. Specifically talks about tithing in this way. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall before the vine, before they're ripe, says the Lord of heaven armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. When I talk about this from this stage, I definitely understand the tension that it brings. And with everything in me, if at any point you can feel my heart or my passion for this, it is not because Coastline Church wants anything from you. So much so that I, I, get, I get slack for this. But I tell people, if this is an area in which you struggle, that, that you won't take an initial step because you think a church or the church just wants something from you, I want to give you the freedom to give somewhere else. I think when it comes to the tithe, when it comes to us being generous and giving to God, we should bring it to the local church because I think the local church is the thing that God wants to use in a huge way to tell people about Jesus. That's why I'm going to continue to give to the local church. But if that's the thing that keeps you from giving, I want to challenge you to give somewhere else. If, if you can't get on board because of that hurdle, you are missing out. 
Give to an organization like Bridging the Gap or Frog Ministries down the way that's providing uh, the needs of people that are in need. Look up a a church online. Because it's not about you giving to that church as much as it is you trusting God in this area of your finances. He He doesn't want what's left. He doesn't want to take the last of what you have. He wants you to trust him enough to say, God, I'm giving it to you first. I trust you with whatever's to come. I want to live a blessed life of pressed down, shaking together, and overflowing. I want to leave you with this, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6-8. It says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. This is the key part I want you to focus in on. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. The Bible says that. You shouldn't be giving because you feel obligated to do so. That's not what God wants. It says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need, plenty left over to share with others. Foundation of our faith. That God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his first. He gave his only. He gave his son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It's the thing that changed everything. So I challenge you today to take the next step. Whatever it is for you. For you, maybe you've been coming to church for a long time, you've never given. Maybe it's something you give for the first time. Maybe you give to another church, maybe you give to another organization. But I challenge you when it comes to you, your relationship with Jesus, the next step, trust him in this area of your life. You won't regret it, I promise you. If you've given sporadically over the years, I want to challenge you to take the next step and connect with him on a regular basis. Step out of where you're comfortable and step in faith to what he wants for your life. If you give regularly, maybe uh, maybe it's time for you to pray about giving sacrificially. It's just continuing to grow our faith in him. All the while understanding he doesn't want anything from you. He doesn't need anything from you. He wants something for you if you'll surrender it to him. That's my hope. That's my prayer. If I had one desire, uh, it's not that Coastline Church would have a boatload of money. But if a bunch of people came up to me and said, man, I've been trusting God in this area, it's changed my life forever. That's, That's what it's about. I hope you experience life change in your journey and what God's calling you to. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for all that you've blessed us with, for how you've continued to provide, for how you've protected us along the way, for being the good Father that you are. God, I understand that that as any good Father does, you don't need anything from us. But I pray that our relationship would grow stronger as we continue to trust you 
and the areas of our life that we hold most valuable. God, I pray that you would allow miracles to happen. God, I know there's people in this room right now that are struggling financially. They're trying to pay the bills. Inflation is going through the roof. Everything is getting more and more expensive. God, I pray this is an area of life which we would surrender and say, you step in, you show us the way. And we sit back and watch you work. We thank you for what you're going to do in advance. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.